Alrighty, Chaver. Shalom Ubracha. No problem, Shimon. Thank you so much for joining to all of you. Wonderful to see you guys. Thank you for joining. Okay, so with Hashem's help, we're going to jump into our learning. What a privilege. What a schus. We're going to try to finish up our limud of Nun Gimel. And, second. Recording in progress. Okay, so we're going to try to finish up our learning of Sichon and Gimel, and we're going to jump into Sichon and Dalit with Hashem's help tonight. So I'm going to share my screen. I hope you guys are doing well. I know it's the nine days, but it's also the summer. And so I hope you guys are enjoying whatever form of summer vacation you are experiencing. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come and join with me and with us in this exploration. All of you already know that there's so much that we gain from the group. There's so much that we gain from different kinds of neshamas, from different kinds of backgrounds and on different journeys, at different stages in the journey, who join together to learn together. It channels something. It makes the kli within which a tremendous amount of special shefa has been flowing, and we hope it will continue. So thank you guys for joining. Let's jump into it. If you remember the last couple of shiurim, we've been talking about this idea of the kavod of Hashem, which we translated and explained as the presence of Hashem, not just the, the uh, actual fact of Hashem's being present, but the perception of presence. Even if you can't see a person who has presence, but you can feel them, we're trying to develop this kind of sense for the overwhelming presence of Hashem within our world, where we get the feeling that no matter what setting we're in, and no matter where we find ourselves, we get the feeling we're not alone. We get the feeling there's something else that's taking place, something else we might be able to connect with, and something else we might be able to align ourselves with in order to enhance our experience of whatever it is that we're experiencing. Certainly valuable for the moments when we feel lonely, for the moments that we feel alone, and the realization that we're not. The realization that in that setting, there is another consciousness that's sharing that setting with us in a very intimate way. So we spoke about Hashem's kavod. We said that Hashem's glory is screaming out, shouting out, right? For anybody who has the ears to listen to it, so ache, Hashem's kavod, His presence is hollering from every single thing, even like we learned from the uh, stories of the non-Jews. The Pasik says, even in the most mundane or apparently mundane circumstances, we learned last week from Torah Lamed Gimel, that totafos is a word in the Torah, but it's a conjugation of two words that come from two foreign languages, one from uh, a Kaspi and one from African. Tat and Pas mean two, both of them respectively, from these two languages. Together, it means doubled over, totafos. And the point is to say that there's divinity in everything. Everything is part of the Torah. There is hora'ah in everything, in every language, uh, sp sp with words spoken about every topic. No matter where you are during your day, if you have the ears to listen, listen deeper. Go beyond. I saw today from Rav Shlomo Kabach, he said an amazing thing. He said that when Moshe Rabbeinu told the Meraglim to go into the land, he said, V'suru as Eretz Kenan, right? V'suru. And there's an interpretation that means to dig deep, dig deep, go very, very deep into the land. But instead, they went, they went ahead and they were miraglim. They just walked in it with their feet. They just looked at the simple level, but they didn't go deep. And unfortunately, we know that that story of the miraglim is what led directly to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So that means if, if you trace it all the way back, what is the destruction a function of? What is it, a, what is it an effect of, ultimately? It's an effect of people looking at things in a shallow way when we can be drilling very, very deep down beyond all of our circumstances to be able to find and to be able to perceive the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu there and more specifically, the messages that Hashem intends to share with us. So let's take a look at Torah Nun Dalid in Lakut Moran. Obviously, it's only a tiny little part. The Torah goes on for pages and pages. But he says over here, Every day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranges for a person a set amount of thought, 
speech and action every day. We live in a finite universe, right? And even like a guy like me who spends his whole day talking, there's a limit and there's a number. Hashem knows the number of the stars, right? He counts the stars. There is a set amount of words that you're going to speak tomorrow. A set amount. There is a set amount of thoughts you are going to think, even though it might seem innumerable and infinite. There's a set amount. There are a set amount of actions that you are going to take. And all of this is prepared mirosh. Every single day with the content of that day. Every day is a yom shalem, a completely different world every day with its own machshava dibor emaisa. Now, in the context of those thoughts and those words and those actions, first of all, there are going to be a lot of involuntary um, aspects of those kinds of expression. And so there are going to be thoughts that you didn't even think you'd have. It's just going to be an idea that pops into your head. Or you're going to be speaking to somebody and, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're saying something you didn't even, you didn't even think of it. It just, you know, it just tumbles out. And you might find yourself, oftentimes it's most accurate in Misa, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We could have a whole schedule filled. I mean, I can tell you for myself, you get an email about something that you didn't think you were going to get an email about. That happened to me today. And I threw the whole day off, right? I didn't know yesterday that I was that was going to happen and so on and so forth, right? And hopefully those things should throw our day on, right? Depending on the circumstance, we're going to learn about that in the context of Sichon and Dalit, Bezer Hashem. But every single person has this every day. constricts himself and allows for his presence to be contained and contained within kli after kli, vessel after vessel, garment after garment, to the point that it can be experienced by a willing recipient of that experience. We have to be willing, we have to be open, we have to have our eyes and ears open to it. But Hashem constricts Himself to the point that He can be experienced within this world, within our experience of our human day-to-day -day mundane behavior. Hashem prepares for each person the thoughts they're going to be thinking, the words they're going to be saying, the actions they're going to be taking, the which also the circumstances they're going to be finding themselves in, the interactions, interactions, right, which is thinking, words, and action, interactions they're going to be having with other people that they may not have thought they were going to meet or they may not have thought they were going to engage with. Ad nekudas hamerkes, right, mom is down to the essence of the physical world, everything is with a cheshbin. Everything. We live in a world where so little is done with a cheshbin today. So little, right? It's rare to find the person that really is with a cheshbin. Really with a cheshbin. Just, to, you know, things, whatever. People do things. People say things. People think things. With a cheshbin. By Hashem is no such thing. Everything is miduktak. Every, every single thing is with a diuk, is with a cheshbin. So Hashem prepares for that person and for that day and for that place. And it doesn't just mean physical place, but where that person's holding, where that person is right now. And Hashem allows Himself to become enclosed within our thoughts, within our words, and within our actions. Hashem scatters hints. It's like a big scavenger hunt. Hashem scatters hints allowing, again, the conscious person to be able to pick up on those hints that Hashem is sending him to draw that person closer and closer to his service, right? Which, if you think about it, break it down to the most essential aspect of what it is to serve Hashem, to bring the person closer to honesty and to humility, to bring the person closer to seeing reality for reality and thereby enhancing and upgrading all of their thoughts, words, and actions to embrace the larger picture of which Hashem is the canvas, right? That's what the hints are for. If we listen carefully, we can learn a lot from our thinking. We can learn a lot from our words. We can learn a lot from the things we do. We can learn. Not just we have to learn 
other things or learn about situations or learn about other people. If we're conscious, if we're mindful, we can be learning from ourselves, about ourselves all the time. And if we do that, which all of Yiddishkeit is really about, is to make us people that are using our our, our cognitive abilities, which is our humanity, which is what separates us from being animals, to go ahead and to be mindful, to be aware, to be conscious, to be awake to what's going on inside of ourselves. And if we start to do that, we're going to find Hashem sending hints there. Hints how to grow, how to change, how to become better, how to walk a little bit higher. A person needs to focus, to be aware, to be awake to what's happening, not just around him, but within him or her. And to increase, increase, increase one's bina. Bina, of course, is the kind of cognition that we use when something's not overtly clear. But you have to be in the Lashon of Chazal, to understand something from something else. Right? It's not totally clear. It's not totally open. You have to, you have to, um, there's a word, you have to, is the word I'm looking for. But you have to, you have to, it's like implied, right? You have to see it as an implication within whatever you're thinking. So it's not like a message is not going to come downloaded into your brain. Okay, this is what you got to do. You have to use Bina for it. And through Bina, we're, we're able to understand, maybe in Dover, but we have to be mamik our machshava in this and the essence of this experience, which is what we're going to talk about. Be'ezer Hashem, I hope we have time at the end to talk about Tarn and Asichan and Sicha nun gimel. In order to do this, we need emuna. That's the first thing. We need emuna that the thoughts we're having actually matter, and the words that we're speaking matter, and that the actions that we take matter in this in the most ultimate sense, with a capital M. Meaning to say, there's a higher intelligence working in our lives, our lives as we live them with nothing fancy, nothing spiritual, our regular lives, day to day, there's, there's a greater intelligence there. And the, that intelligence, has a, which we call Hashem, has one motivation, and that is to help us live the best lives that we possibly can, which necessitates opening our hearts wide to allow Him in. And that means to say that if we have that amuna, that's the only way that we're going to allow ourselves to truly commit to paying very close attention to those areas of our lives. Because otherwise, there's no point to paying attention. If we don't believe that there's a sowed there, if we don't believe there's something hidden there, so then it's, then it's futile, then it's a waste. So the first thing is we have to believe it. We have to believe it. We have to try it. Like the Pasuk says, tamu uru first taste, then you'll see. So it comes along with a willingness to put this to the test, to really try. Everything in Rabbi Nachman, it has to be tried. It has to be practiced, not just about, about a, and not like practice, like practice makes perfect, not like that kind of practice. It needs to be practiced day in, day out for itself, not just to learn about it. That means let's really make a commitment. Tomorrow, we're going to try, not the whole day, because that's a very intense thing. Take a half hour segment and, and just do your thing, but be a little bit more conscious of what it is that you're doing, how you're reacting to things, um, what you're thinking about, right? You could observe your thoughts, observe, like, it's a part of you. It's another part of your awareness. Two things could be true at once. You could be thinking. You could also be observing your thoughts at the same time. Rabbi Nachman says that when a person has so many distracting thoughts, the Rebbe says, whoa, what are distracting thoughts? Mama says this. He says, it's a horse. It's a horse that's running wild off the path in a way that you don't want it to go. But you're the rider. So take hold of the horse by the reins and bring it back. What does Rabbi Nachman mean to say? He means to say that there is a part of you that's higher than your thinking. There's a part of you that we can activate that's just called the observer. Non-judgmental, just watching. Watching, seeing things unfold. And we can enter that consciously and start to be aware, not just to act or to think or to speak, but to watch 
And there's so much to learn. If we believe that Hashem is there, Hashem is mamish there, and He's sending us hints to help us grow and to help us get closer to Him and to help us improve as human beings in every single way that we can as Jews, then we're going to find amazing, amazing hints there. Amazing hints. Some clearer than others. are going to find meaning there. So Rabbi Nachman says, what are those hints that Hashem is sending me? That is implied, or that not implied, but that is uh, invested within my experience of thinking, speaking, and acting today. Right? Hashem is that Hashem has has gifted us with these Ramazan. Hey, malachai masumat. And again, it's not saying Torah thoughts, like chiddush that popped into your head. Whoa, okay, so that's clearly, that's obvious. No, he says, you're, you're a shoemaker and you're sitting there pounding out a shoe. And there's a hint there. How can this activity hold a spiritual meaning? How can we recognize the depth Within even the most simple things, when we realize that, like the like the Ari Naim says, the pasuk says, bakol mashallah, which literally means that His sovereignty, His kingship, Hashem's kingship, bakol mashallah, it reigns sovereign over kol over everything. But says the Ari Naim, no, not mashallah, bakol mashallah, it reigns or rules over everything. But mashallah milashin mashal, like a parable. Umalchusa, you want to find Hashem, bakol mashallah. You realize that everything is a parable to spirituality. Bakol mashallah. Hashem is invested much like the moral of a story right, or of a parable is hinted to and enclosed within the seemingly simple parable. Hashem is enclosed within all the seemingly simple activities in this world. Like the Magad Mizrich said, based on what we say, right? which literally means that Hashem acquires everything, right? Really based on the Pasuk also, right? that the whole earth is filled with your acquisitions, Hashem. Meaning Hashem owns everything. Hashem is in control of everything. Says the Magad Mizrach, something so deep. No. The whole earth is filled with ways of acquiring you. Mala ha'aretz, artsiyas, physicality, mundanity, machshabadibar maisa, bimelacha oimaso matan, and your business, no shaykhis, not in the base medrash, not in the shul. Mala ha'aretz kinyanach. Umalchusai bakal mashallah. The question is if we're seeing life as a meaningless sequence of stories or we're seeing it as a meaningful sequence of parables. And these are two different ways of living. Say that again. There's a way of viewing this world as a meaningless sequence of stories that are just, they may be entertaining, some of them may be happy, some of them may be sad. So there are dramas, there are comedies, there are, there are tragedies, right? But there's another way of looking at the world where we see a meaningful sequence of parables. Meaning, that seeing things as a parable implies that that's only step one. Step two is to mine that parable for its meaning. When we begin to dig deep beyond our thoughts, beyond our words, beyond our actions, do you know what we find? Malchusai. Kavod Hashem. We already said, Kavod and Malchus are one. Baruch Shem Kivoid Malchusai. Kavod and Malchus is one concept. And that links with what Ibn Ahmed says over here. So the Rebbe says over here, everything, business, lowly things, mundane things, silly things, in between things. But if today is all you have, and we believe that there's a higher being that's running our lives, then we have to try to become conscious, conscious, really aware of our own inner world, 
to listen when we talk. Chazal say that the primary essence of kavana in tefillah is that our ears should hear the words coming out of our mouths. Can you imagine? That's what Chazal say. That's what kavana is. And it's an avoida. Try it. The next tefillah you daven. That your ears should be listening to the words that come out of your mouth. That's called kavana. And so that's true in the context of tefillah, but it could also be true throughout our day. How often are we listening to what we're saying? Really listening. We're so busy talking. How often do we think about what we're thinking about? Very rarely for most people. So we're so busy thinking that we assume our thoughts as our identity, right? That, that's, that's who we are. We are thinking, but that, that, that doesn't have to be true. You can be the rider on the horse, like Rabbi Nachman teaches. You can be an observer. You can watch. And in observing, you can unearth many, many treasures that are then seen as be, having always been in plain sight that can teach you and me a whole lot about ourselves. To find out what is Hashem telling me? What's Hashem hinting to me? Can I assume that there's meaning in everything? Can I wake up in the morning excited to experience and embrace whatever it is that I'm going to experience today, much of which I know, but some of which I have no way yet of knowing who I'm going to meet, what the circumstance is going to be, what's going to go on. Can I be open to embrace the experience of, of decoding that parable? Not just of observing the story, but I'm actually interested to see what's today's curriculum. What's on the menu today? What is Hashem going to communicate to me today? And then, when we develop this perspective, we can go ahead and share our experiences with others in a far more meaningful way. So instead of just you know calling your parents, let's say, or, or speaking to your spouse at the end of you come home after a long day of work, and instead of just talking about what you went through, can you imagine a whole nother dimension of a conversation when you're able to give over the mushal, not just the story, but the mushal as well as the nimshal. Can you imagine how that upgrades the content of that conversation? How that retrospectively sanctifies your entire day? Where it wasn't just mundane experiences, I was in the doctor's office and this and that and this and that. But we have our ears open to believe that a conversation we overhear is not just something we happen to have overheard. Obviously, we shouldn't try to eavesdrop on other people's conversations, but something that you happen to overhear, no, there's no happenstance. That's a mushal. Ah, a mushal, it has an imshal. Go deep, go deep, bring it home, share it with your kids, share it with your friends, post it on Facebook, share it with the world, because it's, you, then you realize it's not just your curriculum, it's their curriculum too. There's something there for everyone. Because all of us are different sparks of one collective consciousness. And all of us, and it's becoming clearer and clearer today through the advent of social media, with everybody being able to record their perspective today so that we're starting to get a fuller picture of things. And eventually when there's gonna be security cameras on every single street, which obviously will happen, there won't be one inch. And this is happening already. There's not gonna be an inch of space that doesn't have a camera capturing reality from its perspective. Who knows where technology is going to take us? I don't know. But to me, what it's representative of is this truth. All of us are one consciousness. We're splintered into different neshamas. And Hashem sends us out to probe, to experience life, each with our own little slice and our own little angle for the purpose of the collective whole. And so you have something to teach me, not because you learned something that I didn't learn, but because of who you are, the virtue of you being you in your own set of circumstances. But you have to be awake to it. Otherwise, you can just go through life without having really learned the curriculum. You can sit in college your whole life, but you never, you never, you never listen to a lecture. So, And most people live this way. But Baruch Hashem, our group is, is not living this way. We're living awake. We're living awake. And that's a surefire way not by doing anything radical, because I'm not saying that you're going to start to go to the mikveh every morning and, and, uh, and say, Tikkun Chatzah. There's nothing, nothing here that's different than what you're already doing. It's just a shift in perspective to start seeing life as a series of parables to look deep, deep, deep in everything. Everything has depth. Hashem 
is Maloy, like that says, Maloy Chala Aretz Kavayda. Hashem is everywhere. And so there's a message in everything. That's a part, tiny part, of Lakut Ram Torah Nundalid. Amazing, amazing two paragraphs. Let's finish up our learning of Sicha Nun Beis with this piece back to Torah Dalid, which we began, if you remember last week, when we spoke about just very briefly, very deeply, we spoke about how Hashem's Ratzon, which is the deepest revelation of God, it's the concept of Keser, like we learned, actually reveals itself through our physical reality, through the world that we're living in, through the letters of the Torah. Remember we spoke about this last time. The letters of the Aleph Beis, each of which has its own form, each of which has its own look, right? And, and, and what it is, what it represents. When that is strung together, it becomes reality as we know it. What was the root of all of those formulations that those letters look different? Hashem's will. That means that it's at this point in the, what's called the Seder Ashtoshalist, the chain of emanation, that we are closest to actually encountering the Ratzon of Hashem. Much closer than all of the seemingly nearer stages to that initial revelation. Because like we say in L'Chadodi, like we spoke about last week, Sof It's the actualization of Hashem's will that we're experiencing on the level of Sof Maseh, which is closest in a paradoxical way to Machshava Tchila. So Rabbi Nachman over here is speaking about Moshe Rabbeinu and how Moshe Rabbeinu had an experience in this world of Bittal where he was able to actually nullify him, himself and his physicality and the physicality of the world around him and tap into that realm of oneness, of an experience of God, however he went about doing that. So Rabbi Nachman says that his whole life he went through this process. When he was Nifter, Moshe Rabbeinu experienced this in the extreme, to the point that, as Chazal say, nobody knew where Moshe was buried, say Chazal, even Moshe didn't know where he was buried. Says Rabbi Nachman, he explains why, because at that moment that Moshe Rabbeinu left the world amidst this pinnacle, the zenith of Bittal, he had no das anymore. Wasn't that this was something Moshe didn't know at the time of his death, but he knew everything else? There was no Moshe left. Afilu Moshe lo yoda. There was no das. He was he was agamri. That's what we call the fiftieth gate of bina. That Darizal teaches all of his life. Moshe Rabbeinu attained the forty-nine levels of bina, but with his death, with his istalkus, Moshe Rabbeinu attained the fiftieth level. How do we know? Because where was he nifter? We we don't know where it is. We know it's called Har Nivo. Says Darizal Har. Nun Bo. That's Nivo, is Nun Bo. That means that finally, at that moment, the 50th level of Bina entered Moshe Rabbeinu, obliterated his own identity, and shone the light of a Baruch Hu. The source, the source code, Mamish. There was nothing left. Which means there was everything left, right? His Chelek Alekamimal encountered the source of which it was a part. So, that's just a little bit of a Hakdama. The Chol Zahoyeba This, says Rabbi Nachman, was in his death, so to speak. Certainly Moshe Rabbeinu practiced this throughout his life. And Moshe Rabbeinu went through experiences, whether it was daily or whether it was at special times, or it was certainly frequently, where he completely nullified himself, nullified himself to the living presence of Hashem, both within himself and in the world at large. Nullified rose above his thought, right? Rose above his assumed identity. Moshe Rabbeinu was the das of all of Am Yisrael. He's the consciousness of Am Yisrael. He rose above that. Going back to what we spoke about before, assuming the role of the observer, that's a way to do that. Rise above your thinking. You're not your thoughts. You're just, your consciousness. Consciousness that's beyond your name, beyond your past, beyond your future, beyond your experiences. Nothing else. Doesn't have a name. But Moshe Rabbeinu's hispashtus, meaning ridding him, divesting himself, the fancy word, ridding himself of his physical component, which includes every single aspect of what it means to be human, not just his body, but everything, just shedding it. It had to be but it had to, it couldn't be constant. It had to be in this way of running and returning. 
like Yechezkel's vision of the Chayas, but Bechinas, the Pasuk says, and those angels were running and returning, means to say on and off, right? Ones and zeros, ones in binary code. One and, one and, one and zero, right? It had to be on it back and forth. Why? Because Hashem, like we spoke about last week and we always talk about, Hashem wants us to serve Him. As the Pasuk says, This is not a bidi yeved. This is not something that we feel ashamed of, that we're human beings with all of what, of what, all of what comes along with being human. This is Hashem's l'chatchila. If it wasn't, you and I wouldn't be here. Because Hashem has perfect angels doing His will, singing for Him. It's not what He wanted. He wanted this strange, bizarre, absurd being called the human. To stand up from within the brokenness and the confusion and the complexity and the despair and, and, the, and the sadness and the, and the neurosis of being human, just being a human being. Hashem wanted us from that place to find him, to find him. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to vacillate because Hashem doesn't want us on a mountaintop meditating all day. Hashem wants us being people with all of what it means to be a person. But that doesn't either mean that there shouldn't be times where we let ourselves go, where we allow ourselves to remove ourselves, whether it's called his spodidos, whether it's called mindfulness, whether it's called any, any form of meditation, a removal of whatever, whatever it is that you particularly choose to use, because there are many, many different vehicles for this. But to sort of retreat from life for a bit, to do that from time to time, whether it's a time daily, I think collectively, at least it's supposed to be Shabbos. Shabbos is supposed to be a 25-hour period of doing that, of being but that also needs to be conscious because that also could become very dogmatic and it, and it often does. But we need to retreat. That's called removing ourselves just to, just to be. Not trying to change something, not trying to move ahead, not trying to improve, just living, feeling life flowing within us, within the world around us. Recognizing everything as a manifestation of Hashem's Ratzon in this moment. And then you got to come down the mountain like Moshe Rabbeinu does, like Avram Avinu did after that Kedah, amazing thing. The Pavishavanar, he, he returns. Avram Shavlimikoyim. Pasik says, Avram, after the most intense spiritual experience, Shavlimikoyim. He returns to his place because that's where Hashem wants us. And this connects with a piece that we've been talking about of a hierarchy. Ben said that when a person feels during davening like mama, she's able to daven so powerfully and strongly and it's just flowing, means it's a revelation of God in your life. So here Ben Achman speaks about this again. The Kutumran Dalit. He says, this that we see, sometimes a person can be just davening and all of a sudden you feel like a gate opens. And there's a tremendous amount of light that's shining into your neshama that you feel it and you feel Hashem's presence and and you're going to say a bunch of words with a tremendous amount of passion and feeling. He says, this is Hashem's mercy. Hashem's giving you an experience of the Aryan Self. An experience of a portal that allows you for that moment to leave. To leave. To experience what we would call colloquially devekus, to be like devek in Hebrew is glue, right? Devek. To be completely and entirely bound with Hashem. When the soul of a person deep down experiences this kind of revelation, illumination, as Chazal tell us, even if you you're consciously you're not aware of it, something happened to your neshama in that moment. Take if live neshmasa the dveikas gadol, and so I use the word dveikas. So your neshama is awakened to a tremendous amount of, of desire to cleave to Hakadosh Baruch Hu in great love and awe. to utilize that moment to escape, to run away, to run not a run, not to run away from, to run toward, to run to Hashem's open arms. Ukeshir his skalas ain't sof, 
interesting thing. It's like, how do you measure, right? In accordance with the measurement of infinity that's shining into, you can't measure infinity, but within our vessels to detect whatever, whatever slice of infinity that is, is in accordance with the amount of words for which Hashem is giving you that opening, you're going to find that you can just use those words that it's not going to last forever, all of us know this, to literally let go, to let go, to let go, to just pour your heart and soul and mind and feeling and every part of you into those words completely and entirely as if there was no yesterday and there's no tomorrow, there's just up, there's no directions, there's nowhere to go, there's just in and up. And during that time that we're battled to the Ein Sof, like it said about Moshe Rabbeinu, like we spoke out before, you, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not in your head anymore. You're, you're null, you're nullified. You're not in your own thinking. You're be, you transcend yourself. You transcend yourself. And in those moments, it's not even about the meaning of the words. It's not even about what you're davening for. It doesn't matter what bracha you're in. It's an experience that goes beyond whatever words you could ever say. I saw from one of the contemporary tzaddikim, Ramatul Zilber. Ramatul Zilber says, he says that to the real tzaddikim that are being mechavan, kavanas, like whatever, he says the kavana, the perish hamilas, the meaning of the words, distracts them. That's what he said. What to, what to us, we consider kavana, like if only we would actually pay attention to what we're saying. He says the simple meaning of the words is distracting to the, to the tzaddikim that are. It's distracting. It's not about the words. It's about the experience. And in that moment, it's as if you are no more. You are no longer. The world falls away, like Rabbi Nachman describes. When in tefillah, the world falls away. There is no minion. There are no other nine men, or however many there may be. There is no Ezra's Nashim. There's no building. There's no floor. There's no ceiling. There's nothing but Ein Oid Movade. Now, that's very hard to hold on to, but there are moments, I think all of us can attest that there are moments when you feel this way. Go into it. Embrace it. Intensify it now that you know what it is. It's a gift. It's a total gift. It's real and it's a gift. Go into it. Move into it. Transcend yourself. Rabbi Nachman says he can't live there the whole time, even though it sounds very enticing and appealing. All of us would love to do this, right? Can't live there all the time. So Hashem would like for us to reassume our identity. You walk out of davening, you're yourself again. And you matter to your spouse. You matter to your children. You matter to your community. You matter at your work. Your past matters. Your future matters. It's real. It's real. It's an illusion, ultimately. But to us, it's very real. And that's exactly how Hashem wants it. So we have to be very careful. We need to have times where we're purely existing, removed. Then we have to return with that experience, as he's about to say, to illuminate the vessels of our regularness, our mundanity, our experience of independent consciousness. And these two things are complementary because the more that we experience this being, the more that we experience this nullification, this bittal, which Rabbi Nachman describes in a different place later, we're going to learn a lot about this in Sichas around much later on, where the Tzaddik says that when a person closes his eyes and his mouth, it's bittal. That's bittal. That's nullification. And Rabbi says what this means is stop thinking. Turn off your brain. Just turn it off. And there are, there are techniques for this. We've lost them. We're relearning them. Turn off your brain. So we need to go ahead and to do this and to engage in these activities. But then you got to come back to life. Then you can see your quote-unquote mundane regular life as a vessel to further experience what you experienced in those moments. And they complement each other beautifully. Nimsa, let's finish this off. Kishu bebechina shayv. When a person returns, as I laharis gam so then you have to return to your thinking, return to your speaking, return to your action, which is machshava dibor maisa, which is neshama ruach and nefesh. Got to return to yourself, out of that place of chaya and yechida, which are above 
the observer, the man sitting on the horse. Got to come back into yourself. And you have to demonstrate within your being what you learned in those moments of transcendence. In that moment of dveikus, way beyond your mind, way beyond your thinking. As the Pasuk says about Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, he had no das anymore. He, he didn't exist. When a person returns, when a person comes back into his or her own identity, as I shovel daitai. So the Moshe Rabbeinu and all of us return to our das. But the distinction will be, of course you're going to experience regular life. Of course you're going to be you. Of course you're going to be in your own thinking and speaking and acting. But you're going to be able to find that oneness and that unity that you experienced in that moment of pure mindful meditation going to be able to then bring that back into your life and, and find that unity even among the shattered shards of multiplicity and diversity and brokenness and differentiation and find that unity there too so then he knows the achtos of Hashem and his oneness and in such an experience when a person really works on this you see how much easier it is to maintain the equanimity we've spoken about in recent shiurim, to, to maintain that sense of calm, that sense of perspective. Bein midas adin, lemidas no difference. Because you've strengthened that muscle of the observer, and you can tap back into that. And you can respond instead of quickly reacting. Respond with perspective, with pause, with thinking. With consciousness. You realize that in that place of Hashem himself, or in self, of the infinite one, there's no difference between things. That's just the way that we experience things under this illusion of time and of space and of the human experience. So over there it looks like, okay, this is good, this is bad, this is this, this is that, this, is, this was yesterday, this was tomorrow, this is now, this is then. It's all, it's all an illusion. That's our illusion. But when we experience these moments of transcendent bliss, transcendent wakefulness, awareness, and you connect to a place of meditating on the fact that everything that is in this moment is the will of Hashem right now. There's nothing you can do to change it. Nothing needs to change. Of course things need to change. But to stop for a moment from trying to change everything and allowing things to just be. Everything is. Everything is already the way it needs to be. Doesn't mean there's no distinction between things. Doesn't mean everything's okay. Doesn't mean every behavior, every choice that people make, certainly our own, is, is, is just okay. That's not what this means. But this means that for this snapshot in time, everything is l'chatchila. And there's a reason. Is there anything that God doesn't do? It's l'tav. We believe that's a fundamental faith. Letav of it. Then we need to reassume our mission to try to improve things, make things better. But for moments in time, to tap into this place of the Ratzon of Hashem that's Ein Sof, that's, that's Pashit, that's just, it's one, there's no good or no bad, it just is. Like we read in Eicha. It's just, it just is. There's no good, no bad. Hashem. Hashem's master plan, Hashem's will. Ratzon Hashem. When you return to daily life, like Moshe Rabbeinu did, you return with a little bit of a residue, a residual experience that then plays out in the most wonderful way to give a person Yishva Das, to give a person sense of equanimity. You return to your life. Then that incredible, mind-blowing experience, mind-surpassing, transcendent experience has an impact also on your thinking and on your speaking and on your acting. 
And that's how we can start to find Hashem everywhere throughout the regular day-to-day lived experience of our life is when we're able to remove ourselves for some moments of life to experience nothing but that, meaning nothing but wakefulness, consciousness. You strengthen that muscle and things change. Things change. And the Mela, we become more awake, we become more conscious, we become more mindful of the hints that Hashem is scattering throughout our thinking, throughout our speaking, throughout our acting, throughout our circumstances, things that we go through, things that we go over, things that we go under. We're able to find Hashem there. Everything's a parable, but we have to see it as such. Otherwise, it'll continue being a meaningless story. The choice is ours. With the last 10 minutes, let's take a look at Sichas Ranun Gimel. It's all one. It's all, it's all one Hemshech. It's not, not a different Indian. Very, very connected to what we've been learning. And the Rebbe says like this, a famous, a more famous Sicha. They're all, I guess, famous in certain circles and completely unknown in others. But this is a little bit more of a well-known, I think universally well-known Sicha. With the Heliger Rebbe, what a, his, what a hidden tzaddik, what a gift. What a, what a hidden light. Oh my goodness, Rabbi Nachman. What a hidden light. So the Heilige Tzaddik says like this, the Holy Tzaddik says, a person who has faith, chayav chayim. His life is life. It's real life. With every connotation of that word, life. His life is mamish life. And every single moment of that person's life, not the believer in the sense of like, oh, he registers as an Orthodox Jew or, or any kind of person who has faith in something bigger. No, we mamish mean a person who has a muna. Right? We're going to talk a little bit now about what that is. We've been talking about this. Such a person, chay of chayim. His life is mamish life. Pulsating with vitality, with feeling, everything associated with life, with warmth and light and, 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 and energy. And he experiences goodness wherever he goes, primarily because he experiences, right? That's the first thing, because he, he experiences for real. Everything's tov, because everything's Hashem, like we spoke about, and Hashem is tov Hashem lakol. Hashem is just good. Such a person lives. Such a person lives the good life. When things are going according to his own plan, so that's, that's, that's the best. Right? What more can you hope for? You made a plan and Hashem's will aligned with your will in such a way that what you actually planned to happen, happened? Phenomenal. Even when it doesn't go this way, and it often doesn't go this way. We think a lot of different thoughts, but ultimately Hashem's decision decides. And like it says in Yiddish, right? we plan and God laughs, right? Not because he's laughing at us, but because he laughs because he, he has in mind something so much better that like, he's like, really? You thought that that was the way forward? Let me show you the way forward. It's, it's like a chuckle. It's not like a sardonic, you know, uh, a sarcastic, uh, you know, tormenting, demented laugh. Because it's cute to him. It's cute. Our planning is cute. Just like you, you laugh when your kid says something cute and funny. It's like, men's tracht and got laugh. Hashem says, this is what you thought. Okay, sweet. It's cute. I have something much better. So when it doesn't go our way, even if a person suffers, to this person, doesn't mean that he's happy all the time. Right? Even when Rabbi Nachman says, I don't believe that that means that I have to walk around with a fake smile plastered against my face like some people. That's not, it doesn't mean a numbing of my emotions. It doesn't mean that chas v'shalom, a person doesn't, you know, mourn when a person loses somebody or that Am Yisrael loses a tzaddik like we just lost. It doesn't mean that there's no sadness, but inner peace, equanimity, hishtavus, that never leaves. These two things are compatible. You can be sad and be tranquil 
at the same time. Doesn't mean that we'll always be happy. Doesn't mean that happy things will, only happy things will happen to us. It's not true. It's not. It's just. I hate to break it to you, right? It's not true. Things happen in life because things because that's life, right? That's life means that things are going to happen. But calls man that a person's able to go ahead with emuna, which means letting go, relinquishing the illusion of control being conscious to what's going on and realize Hashem is running the show. So I may, as a human being, respond with pain, with brokenness, with sadness. And that's supposed to be. That's normal. That's healthy. But at the same time, there's a core part within me that doesn't fall apart. That's calm. That's peaceful. This is all part of a plan. This is all part of a bigger picture. We're not able to see the bigger picture right now, but he's confident and sure that this is part of a broader process that's going to bring him to a favorable outcome. Because after everything is from him, there's a, a song now playing on the radio. I, I wasn't sure where the words were from, now I know. Everything's letov. But a person who doesn't have this kind of consciousness, a person who still insists on holding desperately onto the illusion that we're in control of life, as if we're controlling things. That's no, that's no way to live. That's no way to live, meaning that's not life. He's finished. The second something happens, something doesn't go our way, there's no, oh, so it's going his way. There is no his way. There's just my way. The things that need to go the way that I planned them to go. The second that that doesn't happen, we fall apart. Because such a person has nothing to comfort himself with. This is an important sikha to learn in the nine days. We have to mourn. We have to be sad and broken. But do you know how much hope there is in Eicha? I encourage each and every one of you, I'm sure you've done it and I'm sure you're going to do it. Before we listen to Eicha, Tishabav, Be'ezer Hashem, should be a fleshik Tishabav, Mashiach should come, shouldn't have Tishabav this year. We should have Tishabav, but it should be a Yantif. But if we're going to end up reading Eicha, and for that eventuality, that possibility, prepare Eicha, read it before, just in English. And then, no pirush, just read the translation. It's a heavy book, right? It's, 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 the, it's the darkest, saddest, most tragic account of the, of the greatest, greatest tragedy that ever occurred in history. The source of all other tragedies. But do you know how much hope there is in that book? Do you know some of the psukim that we sing joyously? Hashem samu, chalu right? Some of the most hopeful, beautiful psukim are in Eicha. I look forward to it, strangely enough, because it's unfathomable how your miyahu can switch modes, but it's not switching modes, because it doesn't mean that, okay, now I'm sad and now I'm happy. He's sad the whole way through, but he's tranquil the whole way through. And that is a chinuch for how we're supposed to go through life. There are going to be challenges in life. And it doesn't mean to pretend as if everything's happy. We don't make the same bracha on a good thing and on a bad thing right now. Okay, we're going to make the bracha and everything. But Chazal themselves gave us different brachas to make. We're supposed to react differently. The Zohar says a Jew has crying on one side of his heart and rejoicing on the other side. We're supposed to react like, like humans. Shem wants human beings. But with Amuna, there's a core that's deeper than that. And in that core, there may not be happiness, but there's calm. There's tranquility. There's hishtavas. There's equanimity. But such a person who's not living with this focus, he has nothing to console himself with. Because he lives in a world where just things are just proceeding. He doesn't live in a world of mishalim. He doesn't live in a world of machusibakom 
Malar, it's Kinyan Necha. He lives in a world of just happenstance, of Mikra, of Amalek, Asher Kar Chabaderech. Kriurus Milashen Mikra, just things just happen. And Kriurus Milashen cold. Cold. You know what it means? A cold body it means a dead body. Chayov Enam Chayim Klau. Because a person who lives a life of Mikra lives a life of Kriurus. And Kriurus coldness is the very antithesis of life. Life is blood. Flowing through the veins, movement, movement is friction, friction is heat, warmth, life, an expression of Hashem's warmth, right? Hashem's unbelievable warmth. But such a person lives a life of mikra, kriras. He doesn't have any life, he doesn't have any life, Mamish doesn't have life. And he's not able to be awake to any goodness. Because a person walks without Hashem. And we're talking about people, again, without saying, a person could daven three times a day and tefillin on and tefillin off. Maybe even is walking around the old city with tefillin the whole day. You could still be walking without Hashem. Because your Yiddishkeit could become part and parcel of your attempt at controlling things. It itself. The question is, what kind of conception do we have of Hashem? Hashem is a vending machine, and if I manipulate it this way, and if I put in this, and I press these buttons, so then we're going to get... That's what Hashem is. Your haylich b'li Hashem is barach. could be a very firm person. be learning all the time. B'li Hashem. Because emuna is not something we need to get. Listen to this. It's not something we need to work on to get. I want to have more emuna in my life. It's much more passive. It's just an exercise in letting go. In letting go. That's emunah. So more than trying to work on my emunah and gain emunah and grow an emunah, it can happen much more passively by simply realizing, coming to the realization, I am not in control of the world. Not in control. I don't have to have an opinion on everything. I don't have to judge everything. I could just let things be. And believe Hashem's got it. Hashem's got it. That's Emunah. And such a person's walking with Hashem. Walking with Hashem. But this kind of person, it's as if there's no, no meaning to anything. How sweet one's life is. How alive one's life is. How deep one's life is. Let's finish off with one line from the Chavis Halavavis. In Shara Bitachon, he says, Ki The person that has true Bitachon truly gets his ego out of the way, fostered through moments of total bitl, total nullification, transcending our thoughts and our words and our actions, to really be battled to the Ein Sof like we spoke about before. Nafshi b'menucha. Such a person's soul, he doesn't say happy, b'menucha. It's calm, at rest, at ease. The Levi Shalev in his heart is peaceful, filled with calm. No matter what goes on in life, he believes Hashem is running the show and everything is for the good. Is like the king of this consciousness. All of his sefer tehillim is just bittel. Is just is bittel. is the last It's a kli. It's a vessel. It's 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 related to the element of earth. It's it's just that's what David was, and that's what our generation can cultivate, and that is the consciousness of Mashiach that we're, that we're doing, we're cultivating, we're developing it, slowly but surely. David says, For God, do me nafshi. I will silence my soul, silence the noise, silence all of that kind of experience of like the bilbla das, of thinking that I control things. Do me nafshi. Silence it. Why? May I in Yahweh Ezri, not from anything that I can do, from Hashem is running, running things. So we got to do our shtadlis, but then let go. But he says somebody who's napotech and Hashem, who bitsar tadir, is constantly in pain, constantly in stress, in anxiety, and in, in, in all sorts of things. The daga ar archa. The evil, the etzev, uvera. So he says an amazing thing. Even when things go good for such a person, it's going to be a tinge of sadness in there. Tinge of lowliness. Tinge of arrogance. Tinge of control. Tinge of delusion. And we want to climb out of the delusion. We want to simply let go. We want to let go. Take the load off your shoulders. 
and put it onto God because it's an illusion that it's on your shoulders. It's not on your shoulders at all. You're playing pretend and it's tiring you out. So just stop. Just stop. Let go. Let go. Okay, Chavar, we covered a lot. There's a lot here. Baruch Hashem at Siyat HaDashmaya. A lot, a lot, a lot to unpack. But, uh, but I think there's a very clear connection between Nun Beis and Nun Gimel. It's one flow. It's one consciousness. Hashem should help us to continue to foster this kind of perspective, this kind of consciousness, and uh, to become conscious. To become conscious of every experience that we have. It's a parable. And it's up to us to decode it, absorb it, and then share it with the world. Bezer Hashem, Hashem should bless us to continue in this holy avodah, to continue learning together. I apologize for going over time, and I hope that everybody has the most amazing rest of your day and rest of your week. This Yad Rishmai with Hashem's help. L'chaim Chever, thank you so much for joining. Thank you to all who are here and those who were here. Thank you so much for coming. All the best. Have a great day. Recordings.